get rolling. Okay, we are back at it on Truth for Life, confessing our faith together. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 10. Today, we're looking at the term effectual calling. And now, when you think about, uh, like for instance, a call to worship, right? We do a call to worship every Sunday, right? That is a general call to all, but it is effectual to those who have ears to hear, right? So it's a, it, it, you're really only uh, you're really only able to respond if you can hear it, you know, if you can hear it. So that's what we're talking about. Effectual calling is the calling that God gives to us that that we, we move from being unable to uh, to not sin to being able to to sin or to not sin, uh, to do righteous, because we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We've learned in our previous chapter, chapter 9, now we see how, how does God, in His plan of salvation, deliver us from the dominion of darkness and the bondage to sin and the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life through the work of the Spirit, effectually calling us. And we saw that in the first section uh, last week, that God, these are things that are right in the Bible. Uh, if you look at the fourth line of section one, takes out a heart of stone, gives them heart of flesh, renews their wills. So we have a new will there, a new, a renewed will. Uh, and, and by this almighty power helps us to that which is good and effectually draws them to Christ. So uh, you are made new through the work of the gracious Lord changing us. Okay, now with that said, that's a little bit of a review and we will get into section three and four today. So let's uh, pray uh, together before we do so. Let's, uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that this order of salvation would be um, clear for us, that the gospel would be clear and that our hearts would be uh, renovated today, that we'd be full of joy, full of uh, your spirit, and full of the fruit that is produced uh, from such beholding of your truth. So we pray that as we behold your truth, would you conform us more to the image of Christ that you've uh, set before us here, and we would ask that you would do this for, for your sake, for, for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's get to it. So as we look at these uh, sections, uh, we, we talked about the final thing we looked at last week. We briefly touched on it. Cha- uh, section 3 of chapter 10, it says, elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit, who worketh when and where and how he pleaseth. So also are all other persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the Word. Let's look quickly at Luke 18, 15, and 16. And if you do, ha- if you do not have the Reformed Companion app, I highly recommend it. Welcome, guys. Uh, Reformed Companion app. Uh, ch- uh, if you have that one, it's a, it's a purple, uh, it's a purple logo. It has a crown and a Bible on it, and uh, it's a very good one because it has all the chapters with the scripture references right there in it. So as you're looking at this third section, you see here that uh, he he talks about, uh, in, or they talk about in light of this idea that that God establishes His covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. This is the real foundation of how is it that someone who never has the potential to say the words, I believe in Jesus, 
and exercise faith, how could someone possibly be uh, redeemed? That's the answer. That's the question we got to ask. Is it, is it my faith that saves me, or is it this effectual calling in the work of God that saves me? And the answer is, well, both, right? I mean, you're, like, you're going to exercise faith, and, and the faith is derivative of this effectual calling. You know, but from our perspective, the faith uh, looks at it. Uh, we look at it and say, well, faith uh, is the instrument whereby we receive justification. But the only reason we're ever exercising faith is because we're united to Christ in effectual calling. So as you look at this, the foundation of why we would believe that someone could be united to Christ without ever having the opportunity to articulate, Jesus is my Lord, and, and I, I forgive me for my sins, uh, redeem me, save me, forgive me. If I, if I can't articulate those things, how might I be saved? Well, it goes back to this idea of God establishing a covenant to the offspring uh, beneath the, uh, the, the representative here. And so that the ultimate offspring is, of course, we saw in the earlier chapters here, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the offspring, and we are his descendants. So his faith is our faith. His baptism is our baptism. His righteousness is our righteousness through faith. So we receive that. And we don't even need to actually exercise that faith to, to activate that. That is because we're united to him. And in time, if God providentially, you know, in his mysterious providence, declares that we're going to live 85 years, and then, and then he declares that in your 84th year, you're going to exercise faith and believe, that will, of course, happen. But it could be that you're a descendant of Christ by grace, and he has decreed that you live 81 seconds and that, and that he would still redeem you because of your covenantal connections to Christ. Does that make sense? You've got to think about how, do, how is it that someone who doesn't exercise faith can be called elect or regenerated or saved? And so that's the question they're trying to ask in this section. If you look at eight, Luke 18, uh, 15, and 16, Jesus uh, is, uh, is blessing these children. Uh, it says they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them and said, Hey, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. These are, you know, likely newborns, infants, toddlers. They're not, they're not performing a lot of works in faith. But Jesus says, Let them come to me because to such belongs the kingdom of God. We asked the question at the end of class, what is fundamentally different between the sal- in the salvation of an elect infant and an elect adult? What, how, I mean, what, what is the difference? What's similar, what's different? Anybody know the answer to that question? The elect infant and the elect adult. What is the answer? Anybody know? The adults live a lot longer. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot more age on that one, yeah. Right. You see our fruits of, yeah, of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what's what's internal is, is made manifest outside. I, I mean, I, at the end of the day, the salvation is the same. Right. It's through Christ. It, it's what what he has done and not what we do. You know, it's like so. So the, the, another uh, instance in Jesus's ministry, uh, you know, after the rich young ruler exchange, uh, he goes away sad and Jesus loved him, and, and he look, and the disciples look at him like, well, how, how could, if anybody could be saved, if anybody could be saved, surely it would be this guy. And, and Jesus looks at them and says, well, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Uh, right? So as you're looking at that, 
considering again, it's through Christ that we are saved. It is through Christ alone. And faith in Christ alone, not a mix of, well, I believe, but then I keep myself in by my good works. Uh, that is a faith slaughterhouse. That will destroy you quicker than anything is to believe that my salvation has anything to do with me. Right? That's the worst thing you can believe. Because you'll, you'll never have assurance. Or you have you know, a lot of pride because you think, well, I'm better than other, other people because I'm doing the right things. And, and then you look at yourself and it's just, it's a joy sucker. It's a slaughterhouse. You know, it's a, it's a killer. Uh, it'll, it'll destroy you. So this, is, this, this little tiny little section in, in, in chapter 3, or chapter 10, 3, really does us a good service because it really breaks down what is it that saves us. As you look at uh, John 3 and the, 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 uh, the discussion between Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus answered Nicodemus and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And truly, truly, I say to you, unless one's born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And you've got to be born again of the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. And you can't make that happen. None of us make that happen. You have to be, at, at its essence, the reason someone is redeemed is because of the work of the Spirit. It says, elect infants are regenerated and saved by Christ <clears throat> through the Spirit. Now, you could say that, you could just change that, change one word in that, and it'd be the same. Elect adults, living, you know, you can change that, living for a long time, are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit. It's the same concept that everyone who is saved, as Jesus says in John 3, is it's because the Spirit has made him born again. They're saved by Christ through the Spirit, okay? Now, who are elect infants? The, the, uh, the Westminster Confession does not comment on who those people are. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we, we don't know who, who's who. We don't, know, we, we, we don't look at anybody's heart and say, well, that's who it is. But we can see uh, with places like, uh, like David's faith that he would see his child again, that, that uh, there's a covenant uh, expectation that God would love our children and save our children, uh, and we'd see them again. That's the situation uh, that we rest in God's goodness and covenantal love for us, that he shows mercy to generations beyond us. So, so as you look at this, uh, it says, whoever has the Son has life. This is 1 John 5, 12, a, a footnote here. It says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So it's quite possible that someone who dies prior to being able to articulate a lot of faith and to be able to demonstrate a lot of good works could completely have the Son, right? It's completely found, uh, you know, found because it's based on God's mercy and the work of the Spirit. The Spirit can unite someone to Christ before he or, he or her is born. You think about John the Baptist being one, you know, he, that when he saw the, the mother of the Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, Mary, <clears throat> when, when, when he's still in the womb and his, and his mother sees her, uh, he leaps in the womb, the, the Scriptures tell us. And so there's a, there's a sense in which we believe that he is uh, regenerated before he was even born, uh, interestingly enough. So fascinating point there. So, all right, with that said, uh, any questions on this topic? Probably a few. Thoughts? I mean, I think it's just another way that we see God's sovereignty in all things. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, as a parent, like, I can rest in an assurance that, you know, God, everything happens for his reason, for mm -hmm. his glory. Uh, and if, you know, something were to happen, one of my two kids were taken just because they didn't make a profession right then and there that mm -hmm. I heard, still, you know, they could be in eternity with God. And mm -hmm. so... 
I can rest in that, that he is a good God. Yeah, there's no limit to the amount of blame you can lay on yourself and, and responsibility you can lay on yourself. To Well, if I would have done this, my, my kid would live. Or if I, you know, if I'd done this, that other thing. I, you know, it's like you can go on and on and on thinking about what I could have done. And the most sad people I've ever met uh, are atheists. And the most sad people I've met are functional atheists. Now, let me say that. You believe you have to control everything and everybody. And it is the, it is the hardest life to feel like you are like you're in control. And if you don't do the right thing, then everything's resting on you and lay, lay, laying on your shoulders. It's a huge burden to bear. No one can bear that burden. No one can bear that weight. And, and the good news is we're not called to bear that weight. Uh, we are uh, you know, meant to bear a yoke, uh, but his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Uh, we are made to be under lordship. We are made to be under the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a good and wonderful burden to bear when we know the Christ, our Lord, is our Savior. We know that he is, uh, gives us rest. So that's the thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a terrible place to be when you, when you don't know that God is sovereign. It's a, it's a beautiful place to be when you know that God's able to save even the child who can't, who can't say a word, even the child who can't articulate faith. He's able to save, of course, we know that he was able to save the the person without getting baptized, you know, like the, like the, the guy who's a thief on the cross, right? The, the, the guy sta- sta- uh, crucified right next to Jesus. Jesus says to him, flat out, you'll be with me in paradise today. A lot of Christians, even churches, would actually say, hey, you got to be baptized or you're not going to be saved. Like, that's crazy to think about. Like, like how, do, how do we want to add something to Christ? What is it that saves us? Or is, is it the atonement of Christ or is it what we do? That's the question. Is Jesus getting it 99% of the way there and we got to finish the job? Are we the closer? Like, we're not the closer. Like, we, we don't close anything. Uh, we, we, and thankfully, we don't lose anything either. That's the thing, too. We can't mess it up bad enough to lose it. So we can't, we can't you know, add anything to gain it. We can't add anything to lose it. Uh, it's in Christ alone or nothing. Anything else is a, is a slaughterhouse, as Martin Luther would call it. I like that. He was just frank and honest in one of his writings about, about how this— uh, the church was just, you know, killing people with their doctrine of justification being about faith plus works. And he called it a, a spiritual slaughterhouse. You're destroying people left and right. Uh, okay, slaying them. Okay, well, let's see here. Uh, let's move on to the fourth section. I want to get to this. This is a very interesting concept. It says, Others not elected, although they may be called by the ministry of the word, Okay, there's that external call. You hear that? They're called by the ministry of the word, though not elected. And it says, and may have some common operations of the spirit. Okay, let's look at what it might mean there before we go any further. Let's look at our our scripture proofs for B. Okay, and those would be Matthew uh, 7.22. And if you know the Sermon on the Mount, if you're familiar with that one, it would say, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Those look like a collection of spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians. Like those look like a whole slew of very powerful signs and demonstrations of the Spirit of God. And it says you would have, uh, it would be quite possible that on that day, many will say, but it doesn't say it's possible. But it says on that day, they will say, uh, we did all these things on your, in your name. And, and look at us. Uh, well, he said, well, he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So there's a, there's a potential to know uh, or to, to have some uh, ministry of the word active in your life and have some 
powerful um, signs, uh, even to be used by God to do some mighty things, uh, yet have no salvation, no true inner operation of the Spirit. It says, it says after, you, after you see that phrase there, called by the ministry of the Word and may have some common operations of the Spirit, not special or saving operations of the Spirit. So there's a difference between common operations of the Spirit, common grace, and special or saving grace. Uh, look at the next uh, 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 scripture proof there, Matthew 13, 20 and 21. This is at the end of the parable of the sower. It says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You see this idea, he's explaining the parable of the sower, and he's explaining this reality that we see, is that some people uh, appear to receive the word of God and, and have exercise an outward faith in Christ, identify with him, yet it says in 21, they have no root and they endure it for a while, but then when, when they face any kind of tribulation, persecution, another verse says the, uh, the uh, desires of the world, uh, worldliness uh, enter in, uh, they fall away. So this idea of, of common operations of spirit at work, but not uh, in a saving way. Now, final one here, let's look at Hebrews 6, 4, and 5. Uh, this is one of those, like, I remember becoming a Christian, and this was like the big, like, gotcha verse, like, because, like, oh, no, can you lose your salvation or not? Like, this was a big conversation we used to have uh, when I was talking about Bible studies. Hebrews 6, 4, it says, For it's impossible to restore again to repentance those who have been once enlightened, uh, once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, uh, to be restored again. That would be the idea. So it's, uh, we're just making the point here that uh, it's possible for us to taste the heavenly gift, like to, to be sitting in worship services, to be schooled on how to pray, how to uh, re- read the Bible and, and, and seeing a lot of external works of God uh, for, uh, for good, but to, it's possible to have those things, to taste them, but to have no power uh, in them internally, and they'll be un- non-operational within you. So that's, that's a, a real, real um, danger. So any, any, uh, any questions on that so far? I have a question. Mm-hmm. Speculation. Yes. Do you think those who are not the elect well, that's the very question, isn't it? Like, so some don't, some do. You know, so some people, th- well, some people are just fine, you know, just fine, thank you, with not knowing Jesus. But some people might, might think they are and be deceived, right? That's what Jesus says to them in, in Mark, Matthew 7. Uh, Depart from me, I never knew you. You know, because you, you, did, you did all these things. But so, so the thing is, is um, uh, you know, people might actually ask, you know, uh, could, I, could I have lost my salvation? Could I be a, a non-elect person? You know, you might think about when you examine yourself and you look at your sin and you're like, uh, I'm not really sure about this. You know, I'm not sure that I'm righteous enough. You know, and, that, and if you're asking those questions, uh, it would show a, some, somewhat of a, a uh, sensitivity to God's honor and his glory. And you think, well, I don't measure up. But whoa, me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm un- uh, look at me. I don't deserve this. Uh, who am I to stand in the presence of God? And that's the very kind of person that, that, would, that would look to the blood of Christ and say, I need the blood of Christ. You know, so, so I think that far from saying like, okay, my faith and repentance was some 
box I checked, you know, back when I became a Christian at youth camp. My faith and repentance is something I do every single day. I believe the promises. I repent of my sin. Uh, I turn to God every single day. Not that those things save me. That's just my natural sort of breathing and, and operating procedure, right? That's my. That's who I am. Uh, and so I, I'm going to, uh, you know, some days question, you know, a lot of times, why, you know, how could I do such wicked things? How could I be such a, uh, a terrible witness, you know, in this, in this regard? Because that's the spirit at work in me. So I think someone who doesn't have a, a sensitivity to that is more, more than likely uh, uh, could be uh, uh, deceived, self-deceived, right? That there's some kind of uh, no awareness of sin. There, there's a situation where if you're always, you know, r- you think you're right or proud or I, I, never make, I never make a mistake, I never sin, then, man, you have no idea usually what, what's going on there. I mean, if you, if you think about the, the demands of the law, that's what Jesus like, really brought it in the, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount with. It's like, so you guys say, hey, if you don't murder anybody, you've kept the command. But he says, look, there's all this other stuff you got to do with, with that command. Uh, that, uh, so it's like you, you think externally you've kept it. But every desire, every plan, every intent has to be about preserving and, and, and uh, promoting the life of yourself and your neighbor. Everything, every single millisecond of your life has to be centered on preserving and promoting your life and your neighbor's life or you're a lawbreaker and you deserve hell. That's it. That, that, there's no other way around it. You're not holy. You're not righteous enough for God. And only Christ is righteous. Only his blood is enough to, to, to atone for our sins. So we must have that. So, yeah, so the, to answer the question there is like, yeah, I think it's absolutely true that we could be deceived. And, and, and you know, and, and that uh, there's, you know, elect or non-elect people who think they're elect. You know, could there be, uh, elect, you know, the vice versa, right? Uh, non-elect people who uh, are actually elect or think they're non-elect people, but they're elect. Uh, that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I would say that would be very rare. Uh, like, the, you know, you see, if you think you're non-elect and, and then you're actually elect, I don't see that happening at all. Uh, you know, how could you think that that you were uh, a, you know, non-elect, but then elect? But uh, I guess it would be possible you could be delu- diluted at some point. Yeah, yeah. I think for yeah. bad teaching, they grew up, you know, like they believe, yeah. but they, uh, it's they, true. they grew up in They're bad, just beat up, yeah. Bad, yeah. bad, yeah. bad, like... Like yeah. you said, the slaughterhouse. Yeah, that's right. You know, they're worn out, and um, and so in some ways they they question. Mm-hmm. You know, they think that, but they've they, been they've they been actually do believe. Pushed, yeah, they pushed away. From believe, them. but they've been yeah. you know their Ooh, mind, yeah. their you know has been just great points. Just bad theology. You see where he's going with that's a good point. That's a great point. Yes. And since we don't have control over that, yeah, that's God's decision anyway. Amen. So what you have to do is go ahead and believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, every and day. try to follow as best you can, even mm-hmm. though you know you're going to fall mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. And, but be repentant of that. But don't worry. Don't. I think a lot of times we just put so much emphasis on that when really we have no control over that. Uh-huh. Well, as far as what we're doing, our yeah. Choices yeah. that we make that yeah. he gave us to make yeah. to believe. Yeah, you, just, you can only control what you can control, right? You don't, you, you, and so... Uh, you, you can't um, rewind and uh, change things. Uh, you have to trust Christ alone for salvation every single day of the week, every single minute. And I would say, I would, ex- I would just continually uh, point us back to, you know, prayer, the Word of God, fellowship, the things that help us to remember uh, what it is that our hope is found in, and not our own self-introspective, uninformed uncounseled 
selves. We are the best defense attorneys, and uh, you know, you know, we're amnesiacs spiritually. We are the. Uh, I wouldn't trust myself as far as I could throw myself. You know, I need people to tell me. I need the God, the God's word to tell me. I need uh, the Spirit to tell me, and I need all the means in order to do that. I don't need to just trust my feelings on, on this situation. So, uh, especially because, you know, I may be sensitive to, to uh, more sensitive than someone else, you know, or, or less sensitive to someone else. So I can't let who I am be the master uh, of, uh, of, my, of my thing. Someone once told me uh, and that Jesus was the only man who ever lived who wasn't mastered by his personality, right? He, he, he mastered his personality. We, we all are some in some ways strengthened or weakened by our personality and temperament, right? So, so you think about that. You, you, could, you could be a very introspective person and continually worrying about your salvation. Some people never worry about it, you know, but that's, that's not the answer. You know, it's, it's how certain do I feel that I'm certain. It's, it's what has Jesus done, objectively speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and received by faith alone. Okay, so one more thing here. Uh, let's get to I want to read the last words here, and then we'll get to some questions. It says, uh, it says uh, yet they never, they never come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved much less can men not professing the Christian religion be saved in any other way whatsoever. Okay, like, so he's saying, like, you have to be a Christian, okay? Bottom line, you have to be professing the Christian religion, right? In Christ alone, he says, and it says, even though they may be never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of that religion they do profess. So he's answering the objection. What about the people who's on the the desert island who's never heard about Jesus? Is God going to, you know, you know, hold him accountable to, to believing in Jesus when he's never heard? He's saying, absolutely he will, because that's just, that's righteous. Everyone is, like, God demands complete, perfect, and perpetual personal obedience from every single person who's ever existed. Yes. And it says, uh, though, they, though they're very sincere and, and do as much as they can, it says, uh, it says, it says, uh, and, they, and they say they assert and maintain uh, it says to assert that, that they can be saved by any other way but the Christian religion and professing it is to assert and maintain that which is very pernicious and is to be detested. Okay, now do you see where he's going there? Or the, the, this confession's going there. They're saying, this is one of the worst things you could actually say out loud is that someone could be saved apart from Christ. You know, hey, this guy's sincere. He's a very religious person. He's just dealing with all the information that he has there, and he's doing the best he can. Uh, but that is unchristian and unchrist honoring, and and a denial of what Jesus has done. To say that someone could be saved outside of being connected to Christ, that is just absolutely, uh, you know, a, a terrible thing. And we want to be, you know, we want to be, you know, sensitive to to you know the, the fact that all of this, all this page, speaks to the sovereignty of God in saving whom He wills, when He wills where he wills uh, and not about us we're not we, we want we don't want to make up other ways okay so so infants can get can get in just because god's gracious no they get in through christ okay uh well god's going to be really nice and let the guys who are really sincere in their religions in no 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 it's through christ this this whole chapter exalts the glory of christ alone and it is, it is so focused on worship and so as we consider this uh y- y- there may be things in here that you don't like you know like, like, yeah you know, i wish i, w- I would have done it that way but i'm like that's awesome like actually let let the let the truth uh inform us rather than feeling like like just creating a jesus that we like you know like, let the true jesus be it and be like yeah, i've got to work on myself because i don't like 
who Jesus is here, what he says he is, or who God, how God is at this point. And I'll come around eventually because God's at work in me. But, but let, let who God is and the Bible says he is uh, you know, inform us rather than just saying, oh, I can't accept that. I don't like that. I don't, from the outset, I'm going to be biased against that sort of expression of who God is because uh, this is a sound chapter full of Scripture passages. Let's just see one more before we finish up. Galatians 1, 6 through 8. Uh, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel in heaven, uh, from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. All right, this idea of, you know, if you, this, there, there's other gospels out there, and if we preach another gospel, let us be accursed. Like, this is the, mo- this is the most uh, important thing as a, a church elder, pastor, I can do is just not lead you astray. Lead you to the truth, lead you to Jesus, to where you hear his voice uh, and not some other gospel. So this is a major thing that does certainly keep me up at night. I want to get it right and help you uh, and myself to, to know God accurately as is revealed in his word. And I think that we're talking about how we move from death to life. It is certainly all about God's grace and the way that it is described in this first paragraph of how the Spirit internally changes us that we might embrace Christ and flee from our sins. So, okay, I'm going to wrap it up now. We have no time for questions. I'm going to just you know, end it. Uh, we'll do better next time. Uh, See you on uh, the next time. We're going through the Ordo Salutis, so we'll be on chapter 11 next week, which is going to be on justification, which is exciting. So justification. So let's pray real quick. We'll get in out of here today. Our Heavenly Father, we give you glory for the ways that you have uh, made us new and the ways that you are abiding with us and working in and through us. We pray today that you would continue to do so. Bind us together. Help us to be a church that uh, follows you, serves you, loves you, and loves uh, one another, that we might find ourselves uh, seeking ways that we can serve you and serve other people in this church and other places because of how wonderfully you've provided for us. Uh, When we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you sent Christ to, to die for us and your spirit to call us when we were dead in the tomb as Lazarus. You called us to stand up and walk. And so we ask today that you would Uh, Give us gratitude and and glorious, humble thanksgiving for the ways you've worked in our lives. And demonstrate to us again how you do this in each every day and all the blessings we receive. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Great turnout today. Love it.